Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Have we met? <laughs> it's a joy to be with you today. And uh, uh, I'm excited to, to have the, the glory, this privilege of bringing the Word of God to you this morning. And uh, especially on uh, this very significant day, the last day of 2019, about to enter into the year 2020. And... Uh, so I believe that God has something that is uh, very significant for us. And, and, and here, here's the thing. I mean, when do you not say that? Can, can we just be real? When do you not think that God has, doesn't have a significant word to give you? You need it every day. Amen. That's why Jesus prayed in what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, because you need it every day, and I need it every day. So there's never a day where we don't need the, uh, uh, the, the word that comes from God, the manna that comes from heaven, the daily bread that only he can give you. Oh, yeah. So you ready for some bread today? <laughs> hey. Well, I want to talk to you about having 20-20 vision. 20, 20, vision. And you know what? Uh, we're, we're having fun with the fact that we're about to enter a new year. And uh, that year being 2020. And it really does say 2020. I know we got the manger in the way, but, you know, it really does say that behind there. <laughs> if it's blocking your view. Uh, but, but this is not just about the year. This, this is not a, a message about having, um, uh, uh, you know, a, an explanation of what the church's vision is going to be for 2020. Because that wouldn't come from me anyhow. The rightful one for whom, from whom that would come would be Pastor John. So that, that's not my role anyway. But uh, what I'm going to go ahead and minister to you today is the importance of your spiritual vision. That no matter what year it is, whether it's still a few days left of 2019, 2020, 2021, or beyond, whatever year it is, whatever time it is, we need to have what the Bible calls eyes that see. Spiritual vision. Spiritual eyesight. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about your spiritual eyesight. And you know, in recent years, especially in times of prayer, I find myself praying in the Spirit. By the way, can I have the clock on out back? You know, it's always dangerous for a preacher not to have a clock. Come on, somebody. Uh, but, but I, I you, you know, in... In, in times of prayer, especially praying in the Spirit, I, I'd find myself praying in the Spirit like, like I just got to get something out and just, you know, l laboring in prayer. And, and, and then at times I'd find myself just repeating the word, clarity, clarity, clarity. It's like well, once I got done with my heavenly language and moved back into my natural language, uh, I'd be praying out that word, clarity. 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 And the reason why is there is such a desperate need for that in my life and in your life. Amen. Clarity for the will of God, the plan and the purpose of God, what God wants to do, how he wants to do it, and when he wants to do it, and all that. <laughs> Things that you need to know that, that at the moment might seem foggy and Fuzzy. But God wants you to have clarity. And it's interesting that, of course, when we uh, think about the idea of 2020 spiritual vision, we often think of it in terms of the song Mike was just playing, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound 
that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And so a lot of times when you think of the idea of being blind and now I see, we're, we're thinking of that to being a reference to our condition before Christ and, and rightfully so. So, so blind is what we uh, used to be before Jesus came into our life, then after Jesus came into our life, now we've got open eyes that can see, and we've got the ability to see. And, and that is now our, our current condition, now that we're in Christ. And of course, the Bible bears that out very well. For instance, uh, uh, some just amazing verses that the Apostle Paul uttered, Second uh, Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this world, the God of this age, has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So we, we, we understand this, that the, the God of this age, Satan, has, has gotten uh, th- those who do not believe to have their minds blinded. How many of you have been there? Oh, yeah. yeah we all been there. And thank God that we're now no longer under the clutches and under the influence of the God of this age. But we're believers, and now rather than him trying to keep the light out, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ has shone through and broken through. Like the word says, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I'm glad that I'm in the light now. I'm glad that I can see now and I'm no longer blind. And of course, Paul, when he was on the, uh, the, the road to Damascus and one of the renderings of that experience where he's telling of that experience over in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, he says that, that one of the things Jesus said to him was that the, the purpose Jesus had for Saul, who we better know as Paul, to fulfill what was that he, he, would, he would open people's eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light. Paul said in another place in Scripture that nevertheless that when one turns to the Lord that the veil is taken away. You know, you can have a veil over your face that, that keeps you from seeing things clearly, that, that keeps you from seeing things as they really are. But then when you come to Christ, that veil is taken away. And what once was not apparent to you, what once was not totally clear to you, now it's clear. Now you can see. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. Even though it's a true statement that before Christ you were blind and now in Christ you see. But I want to go ahead and hit it from a very particular angle. And and it's this, that, that, that there's a vital truth for us to grasp that even believers have varying degrees of how well they can see, spiritually speaking. I'm going to wave at you today if you don't wave at me. Come on. I said believers can have varying degrees of how well they can see spiritually. And there are things that you can do that will adversely affect your ability to see and things that you can do to improve your vision. There are things that will adversely affect your ability to see and things that you can do that will improve your vision. Well, let's go ahead and dig into that and ask those questions. First of all, what adversely affects your vision? Let's look at some of these things. And top of my list on what would adversely affect your vision is intentionally closing our eyes to things that should be obvious to us. Intentionally closing our eyes to things that should be obvious to us. And in parentheses, in my notes, I put this. Rejecting understanding or being willfully ignorant. Hey, praise the Lord. (laughs) Think about this. You know, 
it's, it's kind of like you, 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 uh, your child, and you, you might be the child that did this. I won't look, but, 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 but you know, when, when somebody's telling you something that you don't want to hear, and you go, la, 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 la. Or, or when dad says, anytime you go by the trash can and you see that it's full, I want you to take out the trash. And so the child develops a habit that, you know, if this is the trash can right here, this monitor will be the trash can. And so the child would always go through the kitchen like this. <laughs> Thinking, well, if I don't look at it, then I won't see it. And if I don't see it, then I'm not responsible for it. Look out, there's some spiritual kids in the house today. Because we've done that thing in our own lives. Where we willfully close our eyes to something. Oh Lord. Intentionally close our eyes to something that's obvious. Rejecting understanding. And being willfully ignorant. Not ignorant because you don't have the opportunity to know that truth. But ignorant because you choose to be that way. Blind because you choose to be that way. Not because your eyes don't work. That's the worst kind of blindness. The worst kind of blindness is when your eyes work, but you choose not to use them. Oh, Lord, help us. And you see, that's what we call a sin of omission, not a sin of commission. What's the difference? Well, a sin of commission is something you commit. It's what I did that I should not have done. What's the sin of omission? That's what I did not do that I should have done. And I believe that one of the things that God wants to address with us is a lot of the things that we did not do that we should have done. The things where we knew it was the right thing to do and we still went, la, 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 la. Nope, don't see anything here. Matthew 13, consider these words of Jesus, verse 14, 15. It says, in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. So, so this is a, a portion of scripture out of Isaiah that is quoted multiple places all over the Bible. But I want you to listen to this. And then the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their eyes are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. So it's interesting, the dull heart, is what led to the lack of hearing and seeing. And always guard the heart. We know the book of Proverbs warns us about that. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. Always look out for your heart. Don't let your heart grow dull because the dull heart leads to these other things. The dull heart led to a lack of hearing and seeing. Or should I say a lack of being willing to hear and willing to see. So when one does choose to open their eyes and their ears, then they're able to understand. Then they can turn. And then, as the, the last part of verse 15 says, they get healed. Hallelujah. And consider this for a moment. My Lord, I know. I know that this is, this is heavy, but hang with me. Confusion happens when we tell ourselves that something we were told to do was not from God when we know good and well it was from God. How many of you have ever tried to talk yourself out of something? It's like if I admit that that really was God, then I got to do it. So somehow I got to go ahead and try to talk myself out of the fact that it was God. Not that you do that all the way uh, consciously, but sometimes you do it subconsciously. And the trouble is that anytime we talk ourselves out of something when we knew good and well it was God and tried to say, no, it wasn't God, so you can go ahead and not have to do it. Because if it was God, you'd have to do it. So no. 
Well, what happens is that the next time you need direction, you're confused. Because the very, very voice that you need to hear from to tell you what to do is the, the last time you heard it, you, you said, no, that's not God. So you're in a point where your signals are confused and you're the very reason, you're the very one responsible for having your signals confused because you had something that was clearly God and you said, nope, it's not God. Anything to go ahead and excuse myself from having to do it. Well, can we go ahead and just get back to square one? God is merciful and kind. We've all done that in one way or the other before. Can we just go ahead and get back to square one and say, all right, Lord, I've allowed myself to be confused with my own disobedience and trying to talk myself out of stuff that I knew I should have done. And I'm going to go ahead and get back to square one and say, Lord, you tell me and I do. No more talking myself out of it or trying to pretend it's not there or trying to pretend what that was the pizza I ate last night that was not God. (laughs) Or yeah, the the devil told me to give an extra hundred dollars in the offering and I started rebuking the devil and all that stuff, you know. Uh, uh, can, Can we just get back to square one where we say, all right, Lord, I repent for allowing confusion into my life and lying to myself. And can we just start again where I say, if you say do, I do. If you say go, I go. And then, rather than that dulling your ability to hear him clearly, that sharpens your ability to hear him clearly. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, Isaiah 42 verse 20 says this. Sing many things. But you do not observe. Just look at that. Sing many things, but you do not observe. So this is not blindness based on a lack of ability. This is blindness based on a lack of willingness. So this is not I'm blind because I can't see. This is called being blind because I choose not to see. So may the Lord deal with us today. To say, all right, whatever it is I need to see, I want to see it. I'm not going to go ahead and pretend like I'm not seeing it. I'm not going to go ahead and pretend that something is not God when I know good and well it is God. No, I'm going to go ahead and be one who's, in the, who's, who's willing to see. If God shows you something about you, that I'm willing to see it. How many of you ever heard that term, call a spade a spade? Well, I've said this to the Lord several times in the last few years. I said, Lord, I want to call a spade a spade, even if it's my spade. Which is my way of saying, Lord, I want to call wrong, wrong, even if I'm the one that's wrong. I just, I, I, I want to be on the right side of right and wrong. And if there's wrong in me or something that needs to be fixed in me, Lord, I don't want to just keep on going through life just absolutely uh, uh, dumb and, and trying to talk myself into something that really is not the way it is. Lord, I want to go ahead and I want to be on the right side of things. I want to be on the right side of the word. I want to be on the right side of eternity. I want to be on the right side of your purpose for my life. And if there's something wrong, I want to call it wrong so I can get it out and be in the right. What on earth you want to be wrong for anyway? I've been wrong before. It's painful. I've hung out on the wrong side before. It's painful. I mean, you, you know, uh, it, it can promise one thing and deliver another. How many of you have been there? I won't look. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The prophet Jeremiah said this. Oh, foolish people without understanding who have eyes and see not. Think about that. So once again, there's a theme in Scripture that God's addressing. It's not, the, it's not blindness based on a lack of ability. It's blindness based on a lack of willingness. But if you could ever get willing, there's a promise for the willing. Isaiah chapter 1 says, if you be willing and obedient, you eat 
the good of the land. And if you ain't been eating good lately, that's a good place to start and examine. Amen. You know, the prophet Ezekiel, I mean, he just, he ain't cute about it. Chapter 12, verse 2 said, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see, but does not see. A rebellious house. See, that's, see, when we've done that before, and I'm saying we, that means you and me. When we've done that before, we can call it some other things, but, but what, what it is in actuality is just downright rebellion. And rather than being rebellious towards the one who loves us and the, the one who gave his son for us, I want to be submissive to him, not rebellious towards him. Are you with me? And so part of the act of submission is to keep my eyes open so that they can see. And when I see something, not lie to myself about what I'm seeing. This is big. Because how many of you know somebody besides you who you can say, yeah, they've told themselves a lie and believed it. Do you know somebody who's lied to themselves? You might not have been there the moment it happened, but you were looking at the fruit of it for sure. Somebody who lied to themselves. Well, no, we're not going to go ahead and lie to ourselves anymore. We're going to go ahead and be those that tell the truth to ourselves. Think about this scenario, Proverbs 28, 27. He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. He who hides his eyes will have many curses. So you got somebody who's generous, taking care of people in need. That person won't lack. You know, the, the person who's going to be under the curse, and, not, and according to what the word says here, they'll have many curses, the one who does this. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and pretend I didn't see that need. Because if I saw that need, then I might, you know, somehow feel obligated to do something about it. So if I just hide my eyes and say, la, 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 then, then I'm not responsible. But you are responsible. Glory to God. So rather than to be the one who hides your eyes, be the one with your eyes wide open addressing the needs that you see. And rather than being the one with many curses, you'd be like that first person who will not lack. Come on and praise the Lord. You know, Second Peter, Peter talked about people that, that willfully forget. The King James uses even harsher words and said they're willfully ignorant of certain things. And uh, uh, I don't want to, as an act of my will, be at odds with God about something. And so this is a, a call to address the things that could adversely impact your spiritual eyesight. And a lot of it, like we see, is not having to do with our ability to see, but having a whole lot to do with your willingness to see. Let's talk about some other things. What about a failure to walk in love? I'm going to tell you straight out, ready? I don't care how crazy your family member is. I don't care how crazy your friend is. Or that, 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 that annoying person at work. See, some people got the anointing, some people got the annoying. And there's a difference, a big difference. And there's that somebody at work that's really got the annoying on them. But what does the Bible say about walking in love in, in, the, in the context of your spiritual eyesight? 1 John 2, verse 9. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. 
But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Whoa. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It is not worth it. Get a picture of that person so you can pray for him and then you can look at him and smile and say, you just ain't worth it. You ain't worth me stumbling around like a blind person not, a, not able to see. You're not worth me not having the blessings of God flowing in my life. You, you, you're just not worth me having my pipes clogged. It's just not worth it. There's no good feeling that I can get from being mad at you that will replace the feeling I get from knowing that everything's good between me and God. And if he loves you, and I'm his, I just got to love you too. So you know what? Just follow the 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 words of Elsa and let it go and because it's just not worth it because I'll tell you what for you to be stumbling around like a blind person is not worth it because you're filled with, with unforgiveness or hatred towards somebody don't let them steal your light from you. Don't let them steal your victory from you. Don't let them steal your joy from you. Ain't nobody's worth it. All right. Praise the Lord. Let's go another step further. What else can adversely affect your vision? How about this? Lacking things that you should be adding and forgetting things that you should remember. Oh, oh, oh. lacking things that you should be adding and forgetting things that you should be remembering. I want to read a portion of about, let's see, five verses here. This is First Peter, uh, no, I'm sorry, Second Peter 1. And by the way, I, I taught this in our Connect Group lesson. So uh, the, those of you that have not been in Connect Group, you, you, you want to hear some teaching on this. There's some teaching on our uh, Connect Group page on YouTube on, on this very portion of Scripture. Uh, but, but let's read it together. Second Peter 1, starting with verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So it's giving you a list of things to add, right? Add to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge. Keep going. To knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, uh, go back to verse 8 for a minute. In other words, uh, you, will, you will have babies. You won't be barren. And you won't be a dried up tree. You'll be a fruitful tree if these things are yours and abound. Now verse 9. For he who lacks these things, these things that you're supposed to be adding to your faith, he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So if you're lacking these things rather than adding these things, then the Bible says that you're short-sighted even to the point of blindness and also, you're forgetting something that is very important that you need to be remembering. And so I say this to you today. Consider this passage of Scripture as a good checklist on things that you need to have in place in your life so that you would not be short-sighted to the point of blindness and so that you would not experience the forgetfulness here that Peter was talking about. Very important. I'd say that this is one of the most significant portions of Scripture that you can read because it kind of summarizes in a few verses uh, uh, 
what, what are God, some of God's biggest priorities for you and for me. And then the effect that it will have on you if these things are in your life. And the effect that it will have on you if these things aren't in your life. Very significant. So I would encourage you to meditate on that. And make sure that you're not lacking the things that you should be adding and forgetting the things you should be remembering. But that's talking about the things that adversely affect your vision. What about the things that you can do to improve your vision? Number one thing I'd say about that is examine yourself. When I say examine yourself... That means you're giving yourself an eye exam. Hey, hey, hey. You're, you're giving yourself a checkup. You're checking up on yourself, on, on the intents of your heart, on the motives of your heart. You're, you're, you're checking yourself in the presence of God and say, Lord, if, if there's something that I have a blind spot to that I can't see at the moment, I want to see it. Help me see it. There's a willingness to see there. And you know, you don't cheat on your spiritual eye exam, just like, you know, if you went to the doctor's office and you saw one of those charts, you know, don't, don't be like the guy that went over and looked at that bottom line, you know, the, the line that's like real microscopic. So A, B, C, D, E, F. Good. I got it. You know, and, 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 and then, you know, he, he went and, uh, when the doctor pointed to that line, he didn't realize the doctor changed it and was saying A, B, C, D, E, F. When now it was saying U, V, W, X, Y, Z. You know what I'm saying? There ain't no cheating here. In your self-examination, part of, part of self-examining means that you're going to go ahead and call yourself to the standard, to the high standard of God, and that you're not going to let yourself get away with something. You're not going to let yourself, uh, 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 you know, you're not going to let anything fall through the cracks. You're going to hold yourself to a high standard. That's the way to do it. Don't be like the person, as it's been said before, who would judge others by their actions, but you judge yourself by your intentions. Say, well, I meant to. Yeah, you meant to, but you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> so don't cheat on your spiritual eye exam. Make sure that you go ahead and be straight up with God and straight up with you. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, in the beginning part of the verse, it says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Imagine that, that the Bible would actually tell you to do such a thing. We know that in the context of the great uh, chapter on communion, 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said, But let a man examine himself. And then, of course, there's this wonderful uh, portion of Scripture that Jesus uttered, Luke chapter 6, start with verse 39. says, and he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly Woo! to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Someone say, see clearly. <laughs> now, now, this principle, I, if there's one place that I've used this in ministry more than any other place is in marriage counseling because in marriage counseling you typically have this scenario you, you got the husband on one side of the table and he does this and then you got the wife on the other side of the table and she does this and so my job to get people to do this what we just read I don't take that bony finger and point it to him. And I want to take her finger and point it to her. Because as long as... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, 
as long as you got that going on, then you don't have this going on, what we just read. As a matter of fact, you don't have a plank and a speck. You got a double plank going on. People that are only willing to look at what somebody else got going on in their life and what they need to fix, but don't have the willingness to examine themselves. And Jesus did not say that it was wrong to want to help bring correction into somebody else's life. He didn't say it was wrong. He just said it was in the wrong order if you tried to do them first before you do you. So you can, as a loving spouse, as a loving brother or sister in Christ, bring correction to somebody in the right spirit, in the spirit of love, in the spirit of wanting to help somebody better themselves and experience all of God they can experience. But you only do that once you went through that process yourself. Hallelujah. But this idea of looking out for you, not, not in a selfish way, but in an examining way, is all over the scripture. Second John, there's only one little chapter, verse 8 says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose these things we work for, but that we, we may receive a full reward. Look to yourselves. 1 Timothy 4.16, the words of Paul. He said, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. In doing this, you'll save both yourself and those who hear you. Take heed to yourself. Pay attention to yourself. Have you looked at yourself lately? Because if you don't examine yourself, see, he said, take heed to yourself. You'll be able to save yourself and those who hear you. If you don't take heed to yourself, if you don't examine yourself, you won't be in a position to help either yourself or others. Praise the Lord. How about this? Anoint yourself. Some say, I want to be anointed. I want to feel the anointing. Well, Jesus said, you can anoint yourself. Well, let's check it out. And he's talking to people, when he says this, who have spiritual eyesight problems. And they're part of the church. One of the churches in Revelation known as the church of Laodicea. And they got vision problems. They don't have 20-20 vision. Revelation 3, 15 to 20. The words of Jesus to this church. He said, I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and, and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. It's interesting that right after Jesus told you to anoint your eyes, we see this. He's telling you to be ready to receive his correction. He's offering some, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And the act of receiving that correction is when you repent, which is the word repent is to take a U-turn, to make a U-turn, I should say. Make a U-turn. That means you're going one way. And if I'm going to go ahead and repent, that means I turn and I go the other way. There is no better definition for repent other than that right there. Make a U-turn. Go the opposite direction of the direction you've been going. And then, 
So you got receive correction, repent, and make a U-turn. But, but you've got this aspect of, hey, I'm knocking on the door. I want to have dinner with you, and I want you to have dinner with me. I want us to hang together. Can you let me in? For you to experience the ultimate of 2020 vision comes from you hanging out with Jesus. Hey. We have used that verse, behold, I stand at the door and knock, very often evangelistically. That's not bad. But Jesus did not say this to people that were lost. Jesus said this to a church who was messed up. A church that he was bringing correction to. A church that thought they were one way, but Jesus said, you the exact opposite of the way you thinking you are. And the cure is to receive that correction, true repentance, make a U-turn, and to let Jesus in to come and dine and hang out with you. That, like very few other things you could mention, is the cure to bad spiritual eyesight, spiritual blindness. Hallelujah. It's as simple sometimes as dancing with the one who brung you, as the old timers would say. Dance with the one who brung you. That means, you know, if we get started with Jesus, that means we keep going with Jesus. Until we end with Jesus. That means that Jesus in the start is Jesus in the middle and it's Jesus at the end. That means we're, 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 there's never a time where, where Jesus and I aren't going to have a thing going on. There's never going to be a time where, where Jesus is going to be secondary or, 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 or out, of, uh, out, out of my priority range. He's always top priority here. You know, uh, Jesus talked to another church about not losing or not leaving your first love. So you see, keeping Jesus hanging out with you, dining with you, dining with him, that's the way to keep your vision straight. Where there's never a time where you don't sing. Falling in love. With Jesus. Oh, come on. I feel like singing the whole song to you now. This is, this is big stuff. This is important. Let me say this to you. You got view life with a view of the unseen and a view of the internal. Eternal. Second Corinthians 4.18 says, While we're not looking at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So if you want to go ahead and have 2020 vision, you want to improve your spiritual vision, you need to prioritize eternal things. You need to prioritize things that you don't see. If you're going to really do this and walk by faith and not by sight, you need to be like um, what it says of Moses. Uh, Hebrews eleven twenty seven in the New Living Translation says this. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. So here you are keeping your eyes on the one who's invisible. And you think, okay, my mind just went till. How can you keep your eyes on the one who's invisible? Because they're invisible. You can't see them. But that's the whole premise of this message. We're not talking about these eyes. We're talking about the eyes of your heart. And those eyes you can use to keep them fixed and gazed on the one who is invisible. How about this? Seeing as God sees. Hey, you want to have 2020? So I want to do it just like he does it. First Samuel 16, 7. 
This is God speaking to the prophet when he's thinking about, all right, who am I going to anoint king? Well, we, we got some, he says, some handsome guys here. You know, this guy looks kingly. This guy looks kingly. And, and, and what does God say? God says, uh, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. And uh, Psalm Booth, I want to go ahead and skip over those uh, Proverbs verses and go to Hebrews 5.14 real quick. And let me ask you the question, what, what, what's the purpose for your spiritual senses to begin with? What is the purpose for your spiritual senses? Well, I'll tell you, you see a good insight here in Hebrews 5.14. It says, but solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What God wants you to do with your spiritual senses is then have them keenly exercised and, and keenly attuned to, to discerning good and evil. And now that you know that that's the purpose, you can pray in line with that purpose. Because you can pray in a way that will positively impact your vision. King Solomon did that when he found out that he was getting the responsibility of leading the people of Israel. He said, therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Imagine God showed up. In Solomon's bedroom said, I'll give you whatever you want. And this is what Solomon asked for. I wish he was always that wise. But imagine this moment in time where he said, you know what? I need to discern between good and evil. I need an understanding heart. I need to have good vision. Because... Your spiritual senses, we read it in Hebrews 5, the purpose for them is so that we can discern between good and evil. In other words, right and wrong. Which way should I go? Which way should I not go? What word should I say? What word should I not say? Oh, Lord. Hey. And to pray this way, make this a priority of your prayer life as well. Paul prayed it for the church, Philippians 1.9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all, what? Discernment. Discernment. Why you need good eyesight? Why you need to have your, your spiritual senses ready to roll and in, in good shape and working well? So you can have discernment. And it's interesting that here you, you, you see that he's praying for their eyesight because he's praying for discernment. But you see that the, even before that, he's praying for their love walk. He's praying that their love may abound. And we saw very clearly that where love is taken off the table and, and where, where, where uh, hate and attitude and unforgiveness is allowed in instead of love, that that affects your spiritual sight. So this is a prayer in two different ways. Not just the fact that we're praying for discernment. Not, not just the fact that we're praying for, for knowledge. And of course we, we understand that having an understanding heart has to do with the ability to see. But he's praying that you stay in love because if you stay in love then you're going to have good eyesight. If you get out of love it's going to mess with your eyesight. So you see the idea of all over this verse in one way or the other that Paul is literally praying for a manifestation of good spiritual eyesight in these people. And I want to go to one more verse. Actually, it's a group of verses. It's a prayer of Paul in Ephesians 1. And I want us to read this and see the significance of what you can pray for your own spiritual eyesight. Verse 16 of Ephesians 1. 
I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul prayed in Philippians that we'd have abounding love and that we would abound more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. But here he prays this. He prays that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. You can pray that too. You can pray that for others. You can pray that for you. And what happens when the eyes of your understanding are enlightened? You know the hope of his calling. You know your inheritance. You know his power. You know what took place behind the scenes. The power that caused Christ to be raised from the dead. You know the position that you have in him over principalities and powers. See, these are all the benefits that you get when your eyesight's good. You get to see these things and have a good grasp and understanding of these things. When your eyesight's good, you get to see things as they really are, as God sees them. You get to see in 2020 vision. Can somebody say amen today? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we honor you. We bless the holy name of Jesus today. And Lord, uh, we just want to be honest with you and honest with ourselves. Lord, we don't want to be going about closing our eyes and pretending that something is the way it is when it's not or pretending we we didn't see something when we clearly saw it or pretending that we, we, we didn't know that was you when we sure did know it was you. Lord, we want to stand here today honest with you and honest with ourselves and honest with our brothers and sisters and do right, see right, be right. In every sense of the word. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you're here today.